Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of In Depth with Beth and Seth, the podcast brought to you from Plymouth Congregational Church in Minneapolis, where we take a deeper dive into the sermon that was preached most recently and what it might mean for us as we're living out the words the rest of the week. My name is Beth Hoffman Faith, and I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church. And I am here with my beloved colleague and friend, Seth Patterson. Hello. Thanks for that lovely introduction. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am this Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater. And I'm glad to be in this conversation. Let's talk about some stuff. Well, we need to talk about what you said, Seth, because you were the preacher yesterday, November 21st, 2021, our very last, for the time being, command to preach sermon. And we can talk a little bit about that. But the title of the sermon, What is Our Fruit? And it was based on a very short pericope, Mark 11, verses 12 through 14, and I want to know, Seth, how you felt when you pulled this particular text. (laughs) And if you want to read it, I would welcome that too, or I can read it. I have it right here. I don't have it in front of me. Okay. I'll read it, and then you can talk about it. It is pretty short. I'm not sure if I'll get that same petulant tone that Jackie did so well, but I'll try. Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see whether perhaps he would find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. That was pretty petulant. Nice job. (laughs) Yeah. Jackie Lotsberg recommended or suggested this one. And when she read it at the first service, she really nailed Jesus's sort of whininess about this fig tree. Indeed. Jesus was hangry. Jesus was hangry (laughs) in this text. That's right. So how did you feel when you pulled it? First of all, did you, had you read this text before or spent any time with it? Was it new to you? It was not new to me. I hadn't spent much time with it. So we've pulled a lot of these and I was lucky enough to bookend the series. I did the first one with Ruth and I did the last one with figs. Mm-hmm. And the other ones that I received that I pulled out of the bowl were really quite benign. Uh, not benign. They, they, were, they were kind. They, they felt generous. Like, here's a thing that's really interesting. Talk about it. Well, this was the first one that I pulled that felt a little bit like, this is complicated. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. Mm-hmm which those are the two submissions we seem to get. Mm-hmm. This is lovely. I want to hear more about it. Or I don't know about this. Explain it to me. I, w- I was eager to have one of those, but I didn't know anything about it. And in first read, it makes no sense. Right. It took more sort of unraveling those two little verses than would be expected. Jesus is hungry, even though he's been well taken care of in with his friends in, in the town of Bethany. And he sees a tree, and so he's like, I want a fig. So he goes to it. There are no figs, but it is alive. It explicitly says it's not time for figs, but then he's mad that there aren't any, and he curses the tree for all eternity for not having figs, and nobody will ever eat them. That makes no sense at all at its face value. Right. So 
what did you do next then? How did your message take shape? And you, you have this beautiful illustration at the beginning of your sermon. I, I just wonder, you know, you read these verses, you go, mm, well, interesting. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this next. And what did you do next? I happened to be rereading the book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And I had uh, recently read a portion about pecan trees that produce seeds in a very unknown and interesting way called mast seeding, where they don't produce them every year, but then every some completely random number of years, they'll just make so many and overwhelm the forest with them to make sure that they, um, some of them propagate and they're not all consumed by squirrels and, and people. So the first thing I did was look to see if figs were mast did cedars the, did the same thing because mm-hmm. then that would have been such an easy simple answer like well of course they weren't figs jesus it wasn't time for them because they don't happen every year figs are not our regular fruiters sometimes twice a year oh really interesting you, you did do some research i did i did my botany um <laughs> and so that kind of led and then i as is i think good practice when something doesn't when anything is in the Bible, the writers or editors of it, as much as we don't know about them, what one thing I think we can generally trust is that they put things in an order for a reason. And when it feels random, it's often connected somehow. So I looked at the story before and it's Palm Sunday, and that didn't really relate to me to this fig tree. So I then mm-hmm. looked afterwards and it was Jesus angry again in the temple and cursing the temple. It's because he and, didn't have any figs to eat. So he went to the <laughs> temple hangry and oh my goodness. Well, he, he didn't have any money and they were selling them and they were expensive. <laughs> it's like going to the airport. Yeah. So those two then related. And then, mm-hmm. so I read a lot more about that and scholars also generally agree that the story of the fig tree is an allusion to the temple. It's, it's a reinforcement of that narrative through a more metaphorical narrative. The fig tree is the temple. I was going to say, could you say just a little bit more for our listeners about that connection? Yeah, it, the fig tree and the temple. Uh, fig trees are endemic to this part of the Eastern Mediterranean. They are common. They're good for you. They're they're a part of daily life for people who live there, just like the temple. And they're both alive. The tree was alive. It had leaves on it. The temple was alive. It had people in it. It was doing its thing. But according to the theology that was either of Jesus or assigned to Jesus afterwards, there those two things were corrupted. They were alive, but no longer bearing fruit. There was nothing good coming out of it. There was nothing worth digesting. In the temple, it was, it was a transactional, hierarchical, power-affirming system and not the caretaking of the most vulnerable that Jesus was pushing for. And then the fig tree just becomes a stand-in for that. It also was not bearing fruit. And then the whole line about it was not time to bear fruit is uh, a reference to almost a past. Like, well, of course the temple and the tree are not producing figs or goodness because it's not yet time. Jesus hasn't fulfilled his role yet in order to make it time. But when that happens, these two things, the temple and the fig tree will be obsolete and they will never, nothing will be consumed from them again. Okay. Wow. Well, you do a wonderful job in your sermon of giving us that context. And I uh, really appreciate that as a listener uh, a couple of times yesterday, and then being able to read the words this morning, I, I just appreciated 
the context and helping others understand that we can pick up these pieces out of the Bible, one or two verses or 10 verses, and give them a meaning that may be completely different from the intended meaning because we've taken it out of context. Right. Um, and so that happens really, a lot. It happens all the time, even by us preachers, I would say, but especially um, by us preachers. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think, our job. I think the definition of our job is take it out of context, context. and make it about me. That's right. And make it help us understand. And so then you explore a bit of the fact that there seems to be a theme happening amongst the clergy at Plymouth and the questions that we have been posing in prior sermons. So can you say a little bit about that realization and how it led you to your particular question? I was really moved by your sermon two weeks ago and Dwayne's last week. I thought that they were really excellent in, again, the same, um, in opposing to the congregation, who do you want to be? I feel like we're asking that a lot in our sermons. And it was done explicitly and very well in the last two weeks. And one of the things I love about the, our preaching rotation is that we are able to pick up upon each other's, what the others mm-hmm. say and sort of take the pieces that relate and, and pull them along. So after I, after I kind of figured out, so to speak, the fig thing, I, I my, the question that kept coming to my mind was, are we like the temple? Are we just alive, but corrupted mm-hmm. or are we bearing fruit? Who, who are we? And when I asked, started asking myself that question, it connected back to what you and Dwayne had talked about and realized that the three of us didn't talk about this. We didn't plan that. There was no collaboration. Like, oh, we should talk about this. No, it just so happens, which I think tells us that tells us as a as a church and a system that its clergy are thinking about this thing and wanting to ask you all and wanting to hear from you. And yet we are met, at least I am met, with silence when I ask those questions, which makes me want to ask them more and never again simultaneously. Well, they're hard questions, Seth. They are. Hard, they are hard questions. And I think that they're really significant to this time, that here we are 20 months into a pandemic, almost 21, slowly kind of figuring out how to gather safely, having just opened the sanctuary doors uh, a couple of weeks ago after a beautiful five months outside in the tent, I will say. And it is an important question for us to be asking, like, who are we now? We are not the same as we were uh, in March of 2020. There is individually and collectively, we are different. And what does that mean for our spiritual community? I think your question was just an excellent question. What, what is our fruit? And I know I felt a bit stymied by the question and I heard the sermon twice and I knew it was coming the second time around. And I still <laughs> like, I don't have a ready answer. Either. Neither do I. And I asked it. Yeah. And, and also I think sometimes when we talk about who do we want to be, it is heard as if we are bad yes. and then we need to improve. And I tried to say it explicitly that that was not my concern. We are very alive. Our leaves are green. We are a living growing tree. Yes, and you. But did are we bearing fruit? That. I think, and that is a good question. And I, I think I want to go back to the quote that's resonated in my soul that you lifted up around the mast seating, and that all flourishing is mutual. Yeah, you know that we're we're not called to bear our own fruit. We're called to bear fruit in community, and when we flourish, everyone flourishes. It's it's um 
That's a really powerful imagery to me. And I wonder if that would help people shape the answer to the question. What I noticed in your sermon is that you didn't just leave us with a question. I did a couple of weeks ago, right? I landed (laughs) hard on the two questions and I, that's how I ended things. And we talked about the fact that that's what I did. Now you, you gave us this question and to me, you could have stopped there, but you didn't, you did not. You didn't tell us what fruit we were bearing, but you didn't stop with the question. So I'd just love to hear a little bit about your thinking about that. Maybe it was my voice in your head saying, yeah. give us the how, Seth, give us the how. <laughs> it was. It's your fault, Beth, <laughs> that that sermon was not shorter. We, You and I have a privileged position in the church where we get to observe and listen to a lot of different things. And then as a clergy team, we share with each other the parts that we are not directly involved in. And what I've been noticing is that a lot of these questions are not just being asked by our groups of leadership and boards and committees, but they're starting to do something about it. I'm seeing a lot of new thinking or old thinking brought alive again, new ways of attempting to do stuff. There's a lot of mutual flourishing that is coming up in places that may not be related to each other. And because I knew it was such a big, open, hard question, I wanted to give us the potential of saying, maybe we're not bearing fruit right now because we are in the process of, in lots of different ways, about to drop a whole lot of fruit kind of at the same time. Mm. There's a lot bubbling up. And most of the congregation, if they're not involved in these places of leadership, don't witness this. They see Sunday morning only. There's also, I think, a movement that's going through a lot of churches across the country, a lot of organizations across the country that through our root systems, we're we're kind of saying to each other, it's time to show up in a different way. Mm -hmm. It's time to do things differently. And maybe that's part of that mass seeding simile is we're all about to sort of dump a whole bunch of fruit that can't all get destroyed at the same time. Well, and you say that really well towards the end of your sermon. You say there seems to be something going through the root systems of our communities, reminding us that it is time for our fruit. There may be some compassion justice pheromones floating on the wind, telling us churches that it is time to overwhelm the world with our fruits. All flourishing is mutual. We've talked a lot about the pandemic as being liminal time, right? We know that we don't really know what's next. We're in this space in between. Yeah. We know that what was won't be again. And so this is our time maybe for us to gather the energy um, and to really be thoughtful about what we're putting into the world, but we have to be willing to answer the question. And so I, I really encourage us to keep having these conversations. What is our fruit? What kind of temple do we want to be? to build? How are we going to be different? How do we look different? The three major questions that have been asked of these last few sermons, who do we individually again as spiritual beings and collectively as a community of faith want to be? How do we want to show up in the world? A lot has been deconstructed and there's more to be deconstructed. Mm -hmm. But if we just operate in a deconstruction mindset, we will never construct anything. And it is time also to build new things. And that takes people showing up. And we have amazing, incredible, talented, energized, committed leaders and people who show up. But it's a hundred people out of a membership of a thousand or more. More people, we need more of you. If we're going to be who we think we're saying we want to be, we need more of you. 
And if you show up now, you get to help build the things that you care about. What do you want? How can you help us model that all flourishing is mutual instead of sitting on the sidelines and just saying what you don't like about it? There's value in criticism, but when that's all there is, where are you? Mm. Show up. That's a pointed and significant message, Seth. And I would welcome our listeners and the congregation to to participate in these conversations. And uh, if you have reactions to what you've heard, either in this podcast or from the pulpit, let us know. We want to be engaged with you. Seth, thank you for preaching a really fine sermon. As you like to say, a sermon worth talking about. Indeed it is. And I really pray that our folks will really let this question resonate in their heart, especially as we move into a time where I think, how did you phrase it in the beginning this week of gratitude or something? I liked, you didn't actually say Thanksgiving, you you named it, oh, this upcoming Thursday of gratitude. I Mm -hmm. like that. As we move together in this time, let's keep talking, friends. Let's keep talking. As always, we want to hear from you. Beth F at Plymouth.org. Seth P at Plymouth.org. Be well all. Blessings.